3: I'm Craig Parkinson, and this is the Two Shot Podcast. Pop the kettle on, and let's dive in. How the devil are you? Yes, it is Thursday and it's part two of our Edinburgh Festival Two-Shot Podcast. And we kick things off this week. It was uh, Saturday morning when I started recording this. And what you're going to hear, I got up, went for breakfast. Uh, I mean, you don't need to know all of this. What you do need to know is the first show I saw, I legged it all the way up to Summerhall in Edinburgh. It's a brilliant venue. To see the one and only Daniel Kitson. And what a way to kick off the day. I mean, any time of the day is fantastic when you're seeing Daniel Kitson. But this was exceptional. We were all in uh, Summerhall venue, which was the one outside. I forget what it's called. It's basically like a a mini big top, really. And he came on stage with... uh, with well, actually, I, I, it was all sold out. I, it was touch and go. They said, you know, the lovely big shout out to the, the lovely staff at Summerhall. They said, just just wait there, and we've got to get everybody in, and we'll see if we can squeeze it in, um, it in, squeeze you in. Uh, eventually, they did, which was incredible because um, I, I adore Daniel Kitson. There's really no one like him, and I was going about. I was going to I was gonna tell you. Um, about the show, and I'm not going to because I really want you to go and see it and it it could spoil things. But just to say, um, he doesn't rest on his laurels, obviously. Um, It's a wonderful show. I know he's touring the show, so do go and see him. Who else are you going to hear? You're going to hear from the wonderful Chloe Petz, the brilliant Rob Orton. Rob Orton has a show. It's the Rob Orton Show this year. And I know he... I think he's touring from March... Do go and see it. I saw that in the afternoon. It was emotional, funny, wonderful, just, just, just class, absolute class. Um, I love Rob so much. I love his shows. It's beautiful and life affirming. So do go and see the Rob Orton show. Um, Chloe Petz, as you'll hear, Chloe Petz is going to come back on. We're going to have a full uh, TSP hour with her in a few weeks. I'm going to. Give her a bit of a rest after Edinburgh. Um, You'll hear from Simon Brodkin. And what happened in the evening? Well, I had a jam-packed day of comedy. I legged it back to the hotel to turn myself around because I was going to be on stage as a guest for Martin Compton and Gordon Smart's Restless Natives live podcast at the Queen's Hall. Um it was um, everything and more you would expect I was there with uh, my friend Warren Brown the lovely Owen Teal Gordon's wife Kate Tiana Martin's wife and about 800 uh, raucous guests and we'll end this with a lovely post live podcast show uh, debrief with Martin and Gordon so please Do whatever you need to do. Enjoy this part two of the Two Shot podcast at the Edinburgh Festival. Enjoy. I'll see you at the end. Good morning from the wonderful city of Edinburgh. It's day two of my Edinburgh Festival and day one could not... Have got off to a better start. Um, bumping into people, seeing two cracking plays. Um, the last time we spoke, uh, I was with uh, Laura Wild, Kyle Faulkner, um, the uh, originators of uh, of No Love Songs, which uh, myself and Martin uh, watched last night at the Traverse, and it was. Fantastic, and as exhausted as I was, uh, we made it through. We crept to about 11 before we turned it in. Um, Because I need to be fighting fit today, it's a big, long day. I've got lots to see and lots of people to talk to, hopefully. But before that, I need to come find some breakfast. I'll see you in a bit.
1: Jemba used to need a big radio van. Those are the days. Now I just carry this. Yeah, brilliant.
3: <laughs> this is what I love about the Edinburgh Festival. I get a call, I meet somebody, and then I meet somebody else, and now I'm meeting somebody else. We've escaped the frankly awful Scottish weather.
1: Um, and I'm here sat down with Simon Brocken How are you, mate? I'm good. Uh, we are indoors, but it doesn't feel like it. We have the pitter-pattering of the... Um, should we... We'd call it Gentle in Edinburgh, but in the rest of the UK this would be considered heavy to dangerous. Uh, But here it's just a light shower and we're in a nice little bar and um, it's a pleasure to talk to you, mate. It's a pleasure to talk to you and we're cracking on with the festival. Now, it is the start of the festival
3: and you're here for the full run, correct? Correct. I'm going in hard. And it's not your first time, so how
1: do you keep a healthy mind and a healthy body for the full run? that's always the challenge because frankly 30 days or whatever it's too long it's silly it's daft if you're going to have a festival that long at least have the decency of putting it in London where everyone is <laughs> so um, and there's, there's previews at the beginning which is just spurious really they're not previews and then there's the, and, the, and so it does I get it I get why Edinburgh wants to squeeze every last drop out the festival but it doesn't take out the performers and how do I keep of sound and sane mind well I gave you a little insight just before we met and you you kindly didn't turn the microphone on while I was eating my Tupperware carrying sweet potato and hummus and shoveling in having uh, done a little bit of exercise this morning to clear the mind and um, it is hard because I'm up here. It is work, but it's also, it's lots of fun. There's lots of fun, funny, enjoyable, brilliant people hanging about. Around the clock as
3: well. It's so tempting. I mean, I turned it in last night at 11 on my first day, and I got up this morning at 8, because I knew I was seeing somebody at 10.30 over the other side, so your walking boots are on, and you just got to dive into it, and you can't do that with a fuzzy mind. And I'm just
1: going to see stuff, and I'm talking to people, but you're on stage. Yeah, and, and how many days are you here for? I go home tomorrow. Okay, so let's don't don't lecture me about timetables, please. Yeah, it, it, everyone's it's, you start off and it's like head down. I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to hit this early timetable. It, it's it's hard. Your brain needs a little break that rhythm and routine. I mean, comedians were not exactly the um, the most stable and steady of minds. So to ask to do exactly the same thing day in day out. Even though I'm sort of used to doing it on tour, but there you get a few days off and you're driving around and it's different theatres here. It's the same venue, the same night. Um, fortunately, not the same people, uh, although you want some, some, some returners. But, yeah, it is hard and you occasionally succumb and end up going on a 97-hour binger and uh, forgetting what you're meant to be doing and what country you're in. It happens. We live and learn. you talked about um, taking
3: on the road. We massive tour dates there. Is that lonely? It always strikes me as something that's quite <laughs> a lonely, lonely job. Whereas here, I like to think that you're in a community of mm. comedians. And,
1: and is it as supportive as I think, or is that me being naive? Um, I think, um, is it, first of all, is it lonely on tour? Mm. It, 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 it's not. I mean, partly because I'm kind of talking to hundreds of people every night and in my obviously fucked up head they're all my friends <laughs> right so i find that like quite that i, I um it is supportive up here um and it, it is whatever you want it to be i mean there's so many hundreds of people and so many 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 different types of artists and uh, 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 and all the agents are up and families up and it is whatever you want it to be and I, and, and but i think it is easy especially early on there was that uh, woman who tweeted about one person coming to our show. Mm-hmm. And obviously, um, that was a really cool thing to open up about and um, and and really great that it's had a positive spin. But lots of people are going through that. Yeah, maybe Jason Manford would like to speak to all of them as well.
3: Well, the thing is, I was walking around, and like last year when I was here, when the Bim and Ron strike quite rightly and the the, the, yes. the rubbish was everywhere and yes. it was hot and it was smelly, it's the yes. end of the festival. Yeah and there was a lot of ghosts walking around, people quite <laughs> jaded, whereas here I'm at the start, and quite frankly, I'm overwhelmed by the amount of shows that are on the posters. I'm looking at all these books, I'm trying to see as much as I can. And then I was thinking about those, those actors, those comedians, who don't have any profile whatsoever. Mm. That must be... a a huge, huge mountain to climb to get a handful of people to come to your show because there's so much on offer. Obviously, it's changed for you over the years and social media's been a big part of that for you. So, are you getting new audience members to you? Are you getting a different
1: generation that are picking up on back catalogue, new stuff? I think, um, first of all, if people haven't been to the Fringe, the first time I came, I remember it's kind of just crazy. You think of a festival and you might think Glastonbury or you might think of some literary festival where it's all organised or Glastonbury, all these stages. What it is, it's like every room and not room, every shed, every bin, every telephone booth has a show running in it and then there's posters everywhere and there's shows everywhere and it's just this burst of, of, I guess, creativity, to not want to sound too wanky about it, and I remember that actually the first, time I, first the time I came to Edinburgh was for The Fringe and I was just like, what? This is just an assault on the senses I was just getting into stand-up it was like, wow, and then the second time I came was to do Edinburgh University, which was not during The Fringe, and it was like what is this town? It was, it was empty and <laughs> devoid of po- and it was both, so both times really freaky, but yes Getting people into your show is a real, real challenge, and that's why when you go up the Royal Mile, which is kind of your—I don't know—what would you say—the your Regent Street of uh, yeah, of of of, of Edinburgh, it is carnage. I mean, it, 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 people were handing flyers and screaming and doing little bits of their play, and sh- and and it's it is. A bit of is uh, it is, a, it is a, mentally it is a challenge. I mean, it really is. I um, you know getting through every day, and especially when people aren't coming to your shows at the beginning, it is a bit of a rite of passage. I mean, that sounds a bit horrible, but you've got to you've got to. What is good on the flip side of that is things can quickly change. And I remember, I think Laura Solon years and years ago, she was doing this tiny little room. Mm-hmm. And, um, to uh, you know, no people, and then suddenly word got out, a review happened, then next review, and next review, she ended up winning the Perrier yeah, that I year, and that it year. just burst, and, and that can happen. Mm. I don't know much about the theatre side of things, but I imagine there's a parallel. Um, you know, you know, critical mass going on there and word of mouth. So it is possible to dig yourself out. But it is, yeah, and I'm lucky enough now, people are coming to a big room and, and filling it up and um, it is a bit of a different experience for me. But obviously, we're all... Uh, fragile aren't we I wouldn't be up there wanting likes and laughs every <laughs> night if we weren't pitifully lacking in certain amount of self-belief so every night there is the you go up to 100 you want to feel that you go up to 200 you want to be 250 is what I think I'm doing now and there's still there's we're going to get the last seats in so um, we always manage to feel a bit shitty about ourselves
3: You wouldn't be yourself, you wouldn't be an artist, you wouldn't be a comedian if you didn't, Simon. (laughs) Speaking of the new show, can you tell me, obviously, I don't want to go into it too much, I want it to remain a surprise for everybody who's going to come...
1: Just tell me a li- give me a little taste. A little bit. I was thinking about this. I hate this question. Not everyone asks this question. And it's so funny, isn't it? Because I was thinking, imagine someone said that I went to, I don't know, uh, Michael McIntyre or whatever. And you wouldn't say, all oh, right, what was it about? <laughs> You'd be like, how funny was he? And it's weird how you come up to Edinburgh. And, there's, and I get it. It's, it's, but it's this interesting, first and foremost, I always want to be making people absolutely laugh like Drains. Yeah, and of course there is a theme because otherwise it wouldn't be a show mm-hmm. unless it had that kind of narrative through it. Uh, I think it's there if people want to pick up on it and if they just want to come along for a just-and-flat-out giggle um, then that's... Uh, uh, th- 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 it's not like really... I'm not pushing it on them. The show's called Xavier which is a little mysterious title on purpose. Uh, it's not a character that I'm doing. Obviously I used to do the well, characters. the thing. That's why I asked you about the show and I don't ask everybody that but
3: because you're primarily known and you're famous for for the, the, the characters in the past, going back right back to Lee Nelson. I'm just wondering if any of those people are coming back, or is this just a
1: whole new show? Do you know what I mean? The, the um, It's totally straight stand-up. The Xavier is not a character. In answer to that question and a bit of what you are asking me in the question before, people come to me for all sorts of reasons. It's really cool. So some people will just be like anyone. else, Chance on the show. He's got some good quotes. The Times said it's the funniest show they've seen last year and stars and yada yada. Then some people come because the stunts. They recognise, oh, he's the guy that threw the money over Sepp Blatter. Some will come because of the Lee Nelson and the Jason Bent stuff. And uh, others just know me as a stand-up, which is what I've just been doing for a couple of years, and it's really cool. One of the things I'm actually most proud of is when I first changed from doing the characters into straight stuff, I was worried that people would be like, whoa, that's... Huh? What? That's not that's not funny anymore. And, and obviously I'm not going to please all the people all the time neither do I want to, but I do... I think as artists, performers, creatives, darling, um, we overthink these things. And I think people want to sit down, come and enjoy themselves. And um, I think people come for all sorts of reasons. The show is, if I had to sort of hone it down to... it It's about who's good... Who's bad? Who are we rewarding in society for being good and bad? You know, we've got bankers who, uh, let's be honest, um, don't have a lot of skills and earn a silly amount of money. You know, they're like, yeah, I left school when I was 16. Uh, now make you know, no qualifications, now make five million a year at Goldman Sachs because I have something you can't teach, no principles, right? So you've got that extreme and then you've got, it's actually inspired a little bit by my wife who's a teacher and, um, you know, she gets paid, but um, let's be honest with the salary and the train ticket and it's basically voluntary work, right? But she does it because she loves it Mm -hmm. and it's, like, weird how we sort of shit on those people in society. And then looking at the leaders, um, you know, with with what we've had the recent run at the moment, uh, which uh, Matt Hancock is kind of emblematic of that just... Seemingly shitty person who has been rewarded for being shitty by going on "I'm a Celebrity" and making half a million quid, and no doubt I'll have a, a great and and and, um, and and lucrative career being a plonker on all sorts of TV shows, and then you know you've got at the other end the ambulance drivers and the, who I, uh, I I don't completely praise. I have a you know because I'm always kind of taking the mick a little bit uh, and smartly saying you know come on then. it's not that hard a job giving people a lift to hospital most of the time they're dead, you know, it's not like an Uber driver at the end, they rate you, but um, it's still looking and then analysing me and going, hang on, where am I in the scheme of things, and I want to do all these things I want to be better to the environment I want to shop local, you know I want to read novels but actually when it comes to it I never seem to have the time for anything other than me and, um, and and just, you know, we're all somewhere on this spectrum, aren't we? Of good, bad. Somewhere, you know, uh, um, uh, I just hope I'm better than Matt Hancock is kind of the, the main aim I've got in life at the moment. Well, well, I've spent a small amount of time with you and I think you are better than Matt Hancock. Simon, have a fantastic <laughs> Fringe. All the best, my friend. Thank you. Real pleasure to meet you.
3: I've, um, I've ran from the rain on the cobbles of uh, Edinburgh across town to come and have a quick chat with past CSP guest and lovely fan favourite, Mr. Rob Orton. How are you? All right, Craigie, and well, are you? I'm really good. I'm really good. Thanks for doing this. I'm just trying to, as people will hear, I'm cobbling together lots of different interviews, little short bursts about what the fringe is like. And I, I've said this to somebody else, um, and it happened yesterday. I'm quite overwhelmed. With the amount that's on offer for me, and and as an actor, I'm thinking about those actors, those comedians who are just starting out and and, and don't have profile yet, and certainly not at this stage of the festival. Which we, you know, in the first few days, they can't have word of mouth because it's just impossible. Um, is it a supportive network?
2: I think it is a supportive network. I mean, a very recent example of this, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but there was a lady who was doing a show who'd worked really hard on her play called Sunset and um, put a f- picture of herself really upset on Twitter and saying, one person came to my show today and then Jason Manford did a video about it saying, don't worry, everyone's been through it and it got like 45,000 likes and then the uh, show sold out. So that is supportive, isn't it? But I think that with regard to um, people coming to the show, and I think it, I think it is supportive, yeah. I, th- I think it's supportive for... It's got to be... In... I think you've got to be careful with your encouragement sometimes. I think with anything, if, if someone's doing something and you can see they believe in it, and you've you got to be like, yeah, come on, keep going... But then, I don't know, sometimes, I think it is supportive. I think it is supportive and it's great when people are encouraging.
3: But equally, it's important to know when to just stop or just have a little break.
2: Maybe, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, it is, it's an absolute, it is a uh, complete boot camp, boot camp. I think it is a complete boot camp and um, I think it's a really good place to find yourself out. So you could come up here and think, OK, I'm going to do this. I think this is what I'm going to do. But it's quite an unforgiving place. And when I started doing it, I was doing a show all about the colour yellow in the, in the Banshee Labyrinth. It is a, I think it's about 40, a squeeze in this cave. And um, mm-hmm. I was flying along the Royal Mile in a yellow paddling pool. And it was a real slog. But I, th- I thought, come on, and I wanted to do it and I believed in it. Mm-hmm. And because I believed in it, if there was four or five people there, I still thought good about it, because it was like making someone a piece of like making someone a loaf of bread and you trying it yourself and going, oh, this tastes gorgeous. I really want other people to try this. I know it's not going to be to everyone's taste, but I'm sure that I've got something that someone might like, maybe not as much as me, but they might like. And I think that that enthusiasm can be infectious mm. and that's like with anything isn't it if you try something or you do a gig and you're like oh that gave me a good feeling yeah you want to do it again yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think that's why I've come up here and then this I'm doing this this is my like my 10th solo show we're downstairs in the basement above the venue where I'm gonna do it and it's I'm, yeah it's kind of mad um but it never gets any um easier the goalposts just shift and you're like OK, seems to, some people are coming, and, uh, yeah, the, the worries change, but it never... I never... Well, I think complacency is a killer, isn't it? Absolutely,
3: for everything. Yeah,
2: but with that, as your approach to the friends
3: changed? It, you know, with the constant goalposts, do you, do you feel, for want of a better word, fitter and, and ready for it? Because you, yeah. you know, after so many years, what it's going to be like in that final
2: week... I think this year I feel much fit because I got to go and do the Melbourne Comedy Festival in March and April. That was a gig every night for a month, and that was like now. So now you just kind of build up the muscles um, to be able to look at audiences and be less fearful. Uh, uh, if you and if I'm not, if I'm a bit rusty, then people can see it. Whereas you know, it's just it's just like anything. It's like doing press ups, isn't it? Mm. If you keep doing them, it gets easier. And it's just, um, um, but I, I don't know. I don't think. I don't think. I mean, I said the goalposts have changed, but the goal the goal is to always make something good that I'm proud of, and come away from it and think, yeah, I made myself feel something then. And if I made myself feel it, then hopefully I've got half a chance of someone in the audience feeling it as well. But if I'm in there. And I'm not feeling it and something's happened in the show. I glanced at someone and they were just looking at their phone and they might have just been checking that it was off, you know. And then that gets into my head. It's just... And I think that's when people say, good luck. And, like, I do believe in luck because you you could look at someone and they could just be it was just a moment when they were looking at you and smiling and they might be thinking about something completely different, (laughs) you know, of like a moment in the show that they saw before you and then you're like, oh, they seem to be enjoying it and then that gives you the momentum and, uh, yeah, so it's like it's just a complete um, storm of everything coming at you and you've just got to try to do your best to um, keep the metal and the belief to go... I've put this show through a sieve and trying to get rid of all the crap lines. And um, who knows if I've done that, but the only person who knows that really is the only person who knows what I want to say is me, really. Mm. And
3: how it's interpreted
2: by the audience
3: is is out of your control, isn't it's it? Com-
2: it com- I think it completely is. I think as well that's something about being a human is that your energy just changes from day to day. Whether I remember I was doing a show up here, And I was doing exactly what i have been doing, and there was just like zero response from the audience. And I said to some of the other people who were doing shows, I was like, such a weird show today. It was just like everyone wasn't there. Mm. And then someone said, well, it was a full moon. And I was like, what? And they said, that does make a bit of a difference. Mm. And then I was speaking to teachers, and they were saying that all the kids go mad. On a full... Not all, all the time. No, oh, I know what you mean. But it's like, it does. It must have an effect. Yeah. I'm not kind of that much of a hippie... I am a bit hippie dippy, but I'm not saying I had a bad show because of the moon. Do you know what I mean?
3: No, but also, we have... I'm, I'm not either, but when those happen, things like that happen, I don't
2: have great sleeps.
3: No. And that has a knock-on effect.
2: Well, there's an energy. The next day, isn't there? Isn't there? Yeah. There is an energy that we're not in control of. Mm. And that's just... Sorry to interrupt, then. No, 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 no. no. The, um, just... There's an energy that we're out of control of, and it's just like you can, you can think like if, you, if you're getting on set and you're going, I've, I've learned my life, and then something within you might just change. But then I guess that the more, the more I've done this, the more I guess it tried to become a professional of if something is pissing me off, maybe five years ago, I would have stopped the show and gone and said what what are you doing? Whereas now I've drilled it into myself that nobody else can see them really unless it's like someone in the third row and looking on the phone and everyone's just, yeah "Yeah, and that's it it's just people throughout this fringe right I know that I'll probably, fingers crossed I'll have one or maybe two shows where I come away from it and I go that was like a completely clean run. Of the audience were great. I felt great, and I didn't. I didn't fumble one word, and I got every punchline exactly right. Because you only need to mispronounce something, and the laugh is like half or quarter. It's that. It's the delivery of the line, isn't it? You know that. Yeah. And it's just kind of if you if you mumble it or something like that, it just doesn't have any power. Like. I was saying a thing about Listerine in one of my um, preview shows, and I said Listerine, and they were just like, "No, nah, it's gone." And I was like, "Well, I've just that's that's normally a good injection of laughter at the start of the show," mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Right, okay, that's gone." So then, you, and, 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 and then you've just got to deal with it and kind of move on it. So when I'm saying it, hopefully I'll have one or two. It's like others will hopefully others will be good, but I'm I'm always striving for that. The perfection, mm. and I think you've got to do that. But that does come at a cost because it means that I really beat myself up after pretty much pretty much every time, unless I want it to go. But I think it's good to have high standards. You've got to.
3: I think it is, and if you walk away, and I don't know, not being a, a, a stand-up comedian, but I know about walking away from a scene, or we've finished a scene, and it's out of my control, and it's not quite what I wanted. But then again, I know that there's another time I can go back and I can, I can go back, not to that moment, but I can go back to that scene or that piece and try and get it better. But if you're constant, I What I'm saying is I would worry if I walked away, as I worry with other actors, actually, or sometimes that very rarely work with, but that, that do things like this and they, they go, that's it. That's the best it could possibly be. And someone would say something crude, like, I've smashed that, I've smashed it. It's like, well, no. Yeah. Well, then does it stop, does it end? Yeah. No, exactly. Where do you go from there? Well, you've you've hit the peak. If, Mm. If you think you've hit the peak, then you might as well just pack it all in.
2: Yeah, I think so. And I think it's always like finding... Like, yesterday, I was watching someone's show and I had an idea for a new line in my show. And I thought, oh, brilliant, I wish I had that today, but I didn't. And then it's just that thing of just building it. And I know that this show will be completely different by the end of the fringe compared to what it is. I mean, the bones of it will still be there, but, yeah. I, but I'll have figured out when to move my head. And I've kind of... I've done a lot of work in progress, so I've figured out most of it, but...
3: But it is constantly evolving it. Absolutely, that, just through yeah. trial and error. Yeah.
2: Because you're going, oh, they seem to really react when I widened my eyes a bit there. Or, like, I did this thing with my hand. Oh, I'll do that again. Like, I remember I was doing a show last time, and um, I was doing this thing about everyone working as a team in the supermarket, like um, people cheering each other on, like people doing sport, but like with the self-service checkout. So saying, go on, you can do it. And then I, I kind of cupped my mouth, like on the, on the front of that, like Franz Ferdinand album yeah. cover, whatever, where it's like, go on. And um, the reaction was just, it just doubled. And like, so that's why it's kind of difficult as well, because a lot of reviews come right at the start so you've got to hit the ground running. Yeah. And a lot of the time, I'm just kind of trying to figure it out. So basically, hopefully, by the time I go on tour in March, I'll have, I'll have put it through the doing it 26 every time a day, doing it 26 times a day, and going through it in the morning and then listening to the recording on the night. So then it's fully there, but, I, but it, that's it. I try to get it fully there because people are paying for tickets. It's just like... But yeah it 's interesting, and I think it's the whole thing about the show is about being here for the human experience, and that is um that 's what I just tell myself of like right okay i 've eaten something that doesn 't agree with me sometime, and then you 've got to kind of shake your way through the show yeah. and then just try to right don 't eat that again or it's full on, but everyone has this, don't they? It's not just performers, it's like everyone going to work and just trying to try our best in whatever we do. Mm-hmm. And But then the pressure of that, of going, ah, oh, I want to try, it's like, why? Because that's what, that's what we get told that we're meant to be doing. You know, all these motivational videos, you get back up when you get smacked. It's like, what? <laughs> like, I've just been smacked in the face, no-one should be smacking me in the face anyway. But then... Oh, and then you're like, OK, well, I'm striving, I'm striving. And then when you find out that someone like Tyson Fury, when he got all his goals, that was the most depressed he'd ever been. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I remember that um, interview with Robin Williams when he was saying, Mark Maron said to him about um, the Oscar. Like, what about when you won the Oscar? Didn't that, like, make you up? And he's like, well, man, that goes in about five or ten days, like the buzz of it. It's crazy. So I guess... I've written on post-it notes and things like that of the effort is everything. The effort is all... Like, you know, when you're, like, learning lines or going through a script or turning up to a new set and trying to be good and nice to people and just, like, trying your best and just the effort of getting up and going, that's it. And, like, the result is kind of out of our hands, isn't it? And, like, the process of coming up with a new idea or figuring out how to grab someone by the scruff of the neck in a scene or something and go, oh, come on, yes, I knew, I knew, I knew I had it in me to do something good. And that's just it. And I think that's it. It's like knowing, find, I'm, I feel lucky that I've gone through, like I used to work in advertising and I thought, oh, that's, that's almost right for me, but it wasn't. And something was not quite clicking. And then I did a poetry gig and I thought, oh, that feels better. And I started doing, it. and it's just about trying to carve out that that line for yourself. And uh, but yeah, it's difficult, and uh, yeah, it's constant navigation. Rob, it's
3: always a joy to speak to you. Um, you too. Thank and I'm you. really looking forward to seeing the show this afternoon. And it's on at the Assembly Roxy, two twenty-five. Yeah. Seven days a week.
2: Every every day. Twenty-six. Yeah. Brilliant. All the best for the friend, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. <laughs>
3: Well, at least it wasn't on our head. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, like, they used to be sort of really, like, DIY, and um, that was the charm of podcasts for me. Mm. And now I feel like we, we've gone round in a circle, and I feel like being able to, like, hear the atmosphere and environment that a podcast is recording in is really I, nice. I
3: think people need that because the, the reason I love it so much is it because it's about human connection. Mm. You know, I've just been to see Rob Orton's show, which is all about that. And he's very much about that as a person. Yeah. And sometimes, if podcasts are in the shiny sort of studio setting, it's all a little bit polished. Mm-hmm.
0: Definitely. I, I love it when it's like a bit rough and ready. And you've mentioned Rob Orton now, and he, that's like um, my, my. That will get me going because I'm famously obsessed with Rob Orton. I,
3: well, I was on the phone because I, I, I know Rob a little bit because we did a much longer podcast together mm-hmm. uh, last year and kind of fell in love with him a little bit.
0: He's just fucking inc- incredible. <laughs> you can swear. <laughs> <Claire. laughs> um, it's fucking, don't <laughs> worry. Thank you. Um, he's just amazing because, like, we spent the whole month in Melbourne together and he almost, like... He's that much of a fantastic person, he almost, like, changed my whole perspective on I, everything.
3: I totally understand what yeah. I was saying to my friend on the phone. Like, 10 or 15 minutes in Rob's company makes me think and feel in a different way.
0: And he, and it's even just when he's, like... He'll just be walking around and he'll, you'll just be, like, talking in your own head, whatever. And then he'll stop and go, that's a good tree, that. <laughs> and then you'll just all look at a tree together for, like, five minutes. Yeah,
3: it is, it is a good <laughs> tree. I noticed, thanks for pointing
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that out. it's a really good tree. And it j- he just makes you sort of um, stop and just be really grateful for, like, the, the bit that you've got, mm. you know? And, and he's never, like... I think I'm very pessimistic about the fact that, like, one day this cool thing that we get to do will be over. Whereas he's like, that's what makes it beautiful.
3: I mean, he's the complete optimist.
0: Yeah. he. But it's funny because, well, maybe this is... Uh, it will have come out in your podcast. Maybe yeah. this is oversharing. I feel like he's such an optimist for everyone but himself. And I wish he'd, like... I, I wish you could see how wonderful he is.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Chloe, I should say, Chloe,
0: how are you? How is it all going?
3: <laughs> I know it's, uh, we've just been. It's not about anybody else. It's about you. But um, but you have
0: to understand. Every promo I've done for the Edinburgh Fringe, everyone's been like, "How are you?" I'm like, "Let's talk, Rob Orton.
3: <laughs> but you know, that's when because usually I talk. I talk to a lot of creative people, but mainly it started out with actors because I never got. I never get the chance, really, to have, like, an hour with Mm. an actor when I'm at work because it's just, like, a little pocket of time. Oh, right, camera's up, lighting's ready, let's go. You never really get to know people, so it's quite surface-level conversation. And doing this over the last five years, just just that deep connection, we don't get Mm. that time, especially when the focus for an hour or so, you know is, like, turned on yourself, turned on somebody else, and it's all about that. It doesn't really happen that much anymore.
0: No, but it says a lot about the society that we've created that to hang out with people you want to hang out with, we have to sort of turn it into a thing. <laughs>
3: do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, and I'm a completely selfish level. That's exactly <laughs> why I do this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I, you, I'll get to the age of 47 and go, I've got enough friends, and then, you you know, you sit down with someone like Rob or yourself, and you go, oh, actually, we could hang out and yeah, just yeah, go, yeah. And, yeah. go and have a drink and yeah. really enjoy each other's company.
0: And you, But you'll have to, like... Um Siphon off some of your old friends to put me and Rob into the rotation.
3: What I long to do at the end of every year, I don't really like a call. Exactly. (laughs) Chloe, we are (laughs) on the same page already. Is get the phone out just around midnight, maybe just before. Yeah. And just go through it, see who hasn't made the list. Yeah. And they go.
0: And would it be they go with no explanation or are you doing sort
3: of like um, a review? like a I thi- I think a review would have to happen prior to the to the red delete. So you put them on like a know, shortlist.
0: A probation. So around October you're sort of you're sitting them down. Well maybe, maybe you could have maybe you could have your definites that you're keeping, mm-hmm. then your definites that you're not mm-hmm. and they they're just gone mm-hmm. and then the ones that you're unsure about around October you sit them down and you go look if you'd like to maintain this friendship, then I'm going to need you to...
3: Well, I don't I don't think we should do that. I think it's up to the other person, because there's only so much... If you're constantly bringing the volivants to the party, right?
0: Oh, so you want them to know before you've told them? I think it has to...
3: They, should know. they you, should know.
0: You'd like them to read your mind? Uh-huh.
3: Yeah, and I think that is fair. Is it too much to ask? I don't think so. I don't... Well, brilliant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, who would you get rid of? <laughs> name one. Name
3: one. Kn- and that's a so much longer podcast. Tony. Don't know a Tony. Okay. Oh, there is know? a Tony in my phone. There is a Tony in my phone, but it's a work thing. I've got lots of work okay. things on. Phone. Anyway, just enough of that. <laughs> it's the start of the fringe. Is it foolish of me to ask how it's going so far?
0: I don't think so. I think, it's, I think it's the only question we really can ask at this point. And I oh, feel I've
3: got loads more, don't I? I've really? got loads more questions. Can I
0: yet? have some of them? Because I feel like I don't know how to interact with strangers at the moment without talking about... Maybe I should just like be like, watch any of the Women's World
3: Cup? Do you know what we should do? Don't talk... I know, I see, the thing is, I knew football was going to come up. I fucking knew it. And I'm your Crystal Palace, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, i Palace. I don't know anything about football, And that's football, OK, Chloe. you don't have I to. And I have zero passion as well. I would make sure... We can't really talk about that. But
0: you know, loads. I, you know, loads about women, don't you?
3: Yeah. So you know about fifty percent of the women's World Cup. This is true. In fact, I've had an at the ex England goalkeeper on my podcast.
0: Rachel Finnish Brown. Karen. Karen Bardsley. She's great. She
3: is amazing. So we met a few years ago in Manchester, where I used to live, and then I went, Karen you're fucking great you should come up she's so good she's so good she's She's so interesting
0: we did something together for um, the women's Euros last year and I was like really starstruck because like you know in this line of work you get used to walking into a room seeing a famous person (laughs) and having to be like really cool about it whereas when it's footballers I have no chill and everyone will be like all of my mates would be like who's Karen Bardsley and I'd be like who's Karen Bardsley yeah I've just I've gone bright red and started shaking in front of her. It's Karen Bartsley. because yeah, she was like the person um, I admired when I was growing up, and she was she lived up to all expectations.
3: Oh, she's fantastic! But I'm the same, but with chefs. Really, like, not with actors at all.
0: Like if Tom Kerridge walked past, you'd turn into sort of a no, I'm a, a bit, tiny little boy. Uh, I
3: suppose a little bit I would, but the slightly more non. The non TV chefs. Right. You know, the faces that you don't see on TV all the time because television chefs now it's turned into something else. Okay, it's so like, they're
0: like personalities.
3: Well, yeah, it's a little bit like when stand up comedians became rock stars. You know, but you're far too young to remember when um, uh, they did the Mary White House experience like at Wembley. I think it was, you know, it's a big, huge thing. Um... But yeah, with chefs, I think the chefs are like rock and roll stars for me. I just get a little bit kiddy. But I I,
0: I think what will happen with the, the change in tide of the chefs is what, will, what has happened with stand-up, where I feel like me and my mates have kind of capitalised on the fact that comedy used to be for outsiders and nerds. Mm-hmm. And because it's like a rock and roll thing now, it feels like there's... All my mates are just like so cool, and you're just like, you're not allowed to be cool and
3: funny. <laughs> That's so horrible. Yeah, it isn't it? And nice. Yeah,
0: cool, funny, and nice. <laughs> this isn't right. We should be like horrid little weirdos that were rejected when we were teenagers. That's what we should be.
3: But we, we can be horrible little weirdos that were rejected and still be nice because we probably were horrible little weirdos and we're probably still facing rejection anyway. I mean, I know I am with, with what I do for a living, and you go out there every night and there's a gamble because you've got hundreds of people in front of you.
0: It really feels like there's a gamble in Edinburgh specifically as well. Like, because we've been saying this a lot, that when you go on tour, when someone like, books to see your gig, mm. that's their night out mm-hmm. and they're really excited mm-hmm. and you've like, signed up to this sort of like, social contract of like, I'm going to bring everything I've got for you.
3: Because you've bought the babysitter, you've saved up, you've bought a ticket, and I'm coming to see you. That's a choice. Yeah. I'm making that choice. But
0: then that makes them make the choice of, I want to be here for you and have a really good night as well. And it creates these, this sort of, like, fun chemistry. Whereas in Edinburgh, people are just tired and you're just an hour in their day. And that can make it a little bit more challenging... But I'm trying to, like, bring as much of that energy to the fringe as possible and go, like, okay, all we've got together is an hour, let's make it special and fun.
3: Speaking of that, about bringing it and about when people buy a ticket for your show, like when you're on tour, as opposed to here, because there's jeopardy. Do you change your energy when you're supporting? Like, say, when you've been supporting Ed Gamble Mm. recently they haven't bought a ticket to you, have they? They've bought a ticket to Ed. Yeah. So do you approach that in a different way?
0: Um, I approach it in a way where I feel like the pressure is off slightly now, particularly now I know Ed because I know that if I went and ate shit for 25 minutes, he wouldn't care. He'd just find it so funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> it would be his favourite gig if I just went and died on my ass. But I think the pressure's off because like, they're not there for me and it's almost like... It always, particularly, like, when we did the big gigs last year, like Apollo, I felt so excited because it simultaneously felt like a special day for me because it was, like, a big landmark in my career. But it also felt like I was going to my mate's party and was there supporting him and there... So, like, you kind of... Your ego goes out the window and you're just like... I'm at this amazing party. You can
3: get to enjoy it as well. But
0: I get to do a speech at the yep. party. Wow. So I, like, I enjoy the party, but I'm, I also get the cool thing of being a part of it. So I don't know, I, I find like particularly the second leg of Ed's tour when I knew what I was doing, it just it kind of felt like a holiday because all I had to do was 25 minutes a day and then just hang out with my mates, like Ed and Paul, the tour manager. So, yeah, I'm probably at my best at those gigs because I just feel like so free and...
3: And that's your that's job. That's my job, is it? do that for a I mean, what a buzz. I'll
0: tell you, the feeling when I walked out of the Apollo was, like, maybe the best feeling I've ever felt in my life. Because I, I, wasn't, I wasn't even shitting it all day. I was nervous. Mm. But my birthday was the day after. The day of the Apollo felt more like my birthday. Because you know when it's your birthday, and it's just always in the back of my life. It's my birthday today. Yeah. It was always in the back of my mind. It's Apollo today. It's Apollo today. And I was nervous, and I was so worried that when I walked out, my nerves were going to make me not make the most of it and as soon as I walked out and as soon as I saw the crowd I just felt so relaxed and just so present and so in the moment I was like this is going to be fine this is what we've trained for this is going to be really fun
3: what a lovely feeling because you know when you get that awful bit of direction sometimes I know I certainly have especially like in voiceovers just relax and have a bit of fun with it (laughs) fuck off you try having a bit of fun you have fucking fun with it you have fun (laughs) selling a toilet but, but, but that's it you can relax and have just what you described you can relax into it but still keep that energy up yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah that was amazing
3: Chloe you mentioned before about being in Montreal for Melbourne Melbourne
0: yeah. that's okay Melbourne. we all make mistakes <laughs> but you're just going to be on my coldness at the end of the year
3: <laughs> So I've got a great producer going to edit that out easy I'll, I won't look stupid <laughs> But that's a festival. As a comedian, you go to lots of festivals, right? Mm -hmm. What makes Edinburgh different? I mean, it it feels different to any other festival that I've been to. I
0: think it's probably to do with, like, the scale, um, the fact that all of your mates are here, Mm. the fact that you can, at any hour of the day, pretty much see something, and it will always be interesting and it will always be, like the absolute fruit of someone's hard work. Even if it's shit, you know that that person has probably put loads and loads of work into I'm, it.
3: I've thought that before because I, I, <coughs> I felt quite overwhelmed. I don't know why I felt overwhelmed this year because I didn't feel it last year but I was with my partner last year here just for the end of the festival as opposed to the beginning. Mm-hmm. But seeing all the posters, you know, let me walk up to the pleasants, they're just everywhere. They're just everywhere all the time. Everywhere. Toilets, mm-hmm. flyers, flyers, and people have put that effort in, and if they haven't got any sort of profile at the beginning, I me mean, they 're not going to have anybody, and then hopefully that word of mouth comes, but they 've got to have that belief mm. it's probably the hardest thing in the world i 've got so much admiration for everybody that comes up and yeah,
0: but, but I also think it is like you can adjust your expectations to get out of it. you get out of it what. Like, you can set your own expectation for yourself, right? Mm. And one of my expectations is whatever happens, I know that I will have gigged a new show 27 days in a row, and by the end of that, I will be so much of a better comedian. And hopefully, along with the, all of that, loads of people will have come see it, loads of people have enjoyed it, and it will progress my career. But if I get nothing else, I know that I'll be better for it, and I'll be able to come out of a really difficult marathon month proud. Yeah. And I, I hope, I hope that... That's what everyone can feel at the Fringe.
3: Chloe, this has been lovely. I don't want to put you on the spot, but would you come back on this podcast and we can do a proper like hour and we I w- can really get to know each other and I can find out everything about you? That it would be, be an uh, absolute honour. I would love that. I yeah, have I a feeling too. it would be a breeze and a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I'd love to do that. Please, Brilliant. I Chloe, assist.
3: have a brilliant festival.
0: Thank you, mate. I appreciate it. And you?
3: And that was the fantastic Chloe Pets. I don't normally do that. I never really ask people if they'll um, come on the podcast for a bit longer. Well, because I've never really done this before. It's just like little pockets of conversation. But when it clicks, it clicks. And I think you'll agree, Chloe is going to make a fantastic guest. And, um, yeah, she's up here at the festival all month. And Go see her. What I'm going to do at the uh, at the end is because uh, we've spoken to quite a few people and we're going to go and speak to some more now. Um, in the intro, I'll put on uh, who I've spoken to and where they're playing here in Edinburgh. I tell you what, I am getting my steps in. Um, it is... Uh, I've managed to miss the rain, which is fantastic. Um... But I'm just, uh, On Shanks' pony. I am traipsing across town to go to the Pleasant's Courtyard and uh, go and have a little chat with uh, Luke Kempner, who I think, thank you, who I uh, believe you will remember, uh, the lovely Suze Kempner, um, was on the podcast a few years ago. And uh, I think I've kind of run out of time about um, who I can see. I've seen two shows today. I was up very, very early. And um, I walked all over town to Summerhall, which is a fantastic venue, to see the always... (sighs) Well, the always brilliant. But it's like I was saying to a friend of mine today, I'm talking about Daniel Kitson, sorry. You can't really say, or Daniel Kitson is... Um, is the best because you can't really put him in a category because he's not like other storytellers or playwrights or comedians and he is funny. Is he stand-up? I don't know. I mean, he has been, obviously. Anyway, that was remarkable. I managed to... uh, Well, the Summerhall staff were very, very sweet and kind. It was a sold-out show and they managed to squeeze me in. Um, And, yes, I did... Uh, and then I was already booked uh, to go and see the wonderful Rob Orton and it was a very touching, moving, funny show Um, and as myself and Chloe briefly mentioned uh, on the last little snippet um, Rob gives you something, he gives you... uh, uh, a different sort of outlook on things, so um, yeah, both of those shows, I mean they're, they're pretty much sold out uh, if you can get a ticket, then uh, then obviously do go and your life will be richer I promise you, right let's go to the Pleasance Courtyard because I need to eat some food it's the one thing I haven't had time to do today, is eat food um, and then tonight's Tonight's escapades. Well, um, I will tell you more about exactly what I'm doing tonight later on. I'll see you in a bit. Oh, the quiet. Martin Comston, Gordon Smart, my friends. We have just... I say we. It is a collective we. (laughs) We've just completed the first Restless Native podcast live in Edinburgh lads I, I, I can't take this picture for the podcast but how are you feeling right now Craig you're part of that amazing moment
4: I can't <laughs> believe my voice is going as well it that was amazing and the, what was the line about Blackpool Witherspoons <laughs> <laughs> you got your one in there did you it was I, a beauty you were amazing as well what a great laugh it just felt like a bunch of lads a bunch we're of friends like, I'll just say from the off like
5: because I get him so much stick so much stick I love him dearly he's one of my best pals he writes all this for all the second game he actually is the one who keeps it like he goes this is the next one this is the next one this next one this is the set list and it's quite it, I feel like shit because I gave him that much of a hard time which I do because I'm like you overwrite shit and you're thinking but see when you're up there and you're reading that stage you're going fucking hell this is really good and it goes to this and it goes to this and it goes to this like it's for us as a podcast it's like it's me being a wee wide old reacting but he runs it and and it's it's lovely to see what he does in terms of when you see that reaction and it's just going right. Then it's the sexy pirate. Then it's fucking fucking that it's this and this. And <laughs> it, but it's him at links so at all. And I'm just I oh, just want to say like I love you, man. You're and right. and just fucking well done because it's that. This is a thing is both of us, but it's his it's his idea was this whole live show. He's yeah. the one who writes it all. And that's
3: yeah. But Gordon, you know, it is a different beast recording a podcast together. we've done, I've been on your podcast. Martin's been on mine twice. We're all friends. What podcast are you doing again? <laughs> I don't know. Look up British podcast. Lo- just look up award-winning <laughs> podcasts. I'm sure it'll um, come up.
1: Um, <laughs> but
3: it's a different beast when there are... I mean, how many hundred people were there? 800 800 people there tonight absolutely having it. They wanted it. So you have to, it can't be as intimate. We've got to throw it out there, which we did, and some more than others. um, (laughs) (laughs) If you were there, all I'm saying is two words. Owen tail. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know
4: what, Craig? For me, it's really intimidating, because you're all brilliant at this stuff. You're great on stage, you know what you're doing, and I just don't want to let myself down around you, because I just I, I, I hold you all in such high esteem, and it is special when you turn up and throw yourself in it, into it and don't really care about what anybody thinks. You're just having fun with your mates. And it yeah. t- it's really touching as well to see who turns up for Martin, and actually turns up for us, because it's, it's not just an interview on the radio or, you know, when you have to give it the spiel, well, come on a laugh. Mm. But the,
5: the thing with that is as well, so for people who, who listen to your podcast who don't listen to our podcast, God damn you, the rest <laughs> of this native's life, something that's became a bit of a cult hit was um, I wrote a thing, me and my lovely wife Tiana went on a diet um, for 30 days where we... Drank nothing but water and net only pure shit. And I, I, it's the highest I've ever been in my life, just on pure fucking life. But I wrote this thing about squirrels <laughs> called Nuts High. Right? And it became a cult hit. And the thing is, I remember sending... I mean, I mean you say cult hit, no, like like
3: oh, your fucking David no, Lynch. No, 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 it's no, Twin it Peaks, Kate. it is not. Kate, Kate.
5: Right. <laughs> on, on the podcast it became a cult hit. OK. But I, I remember sending it to my agent going, like, I'm fucking under. like, Because I remember I used to walk the dog every day by this high school and fucking the bells would go and the squirrels would run up the street and I went, maybe there's a fucking squirrel high school in the trees. And I sent it to my fucking managers and they went, and they called me and went, are you fucking high?
2: <laughs> and I went, I've never
5: been so sober. So I wrote this thing, right? I wrote this thing, and then I went, and I put it on the show, and everybody loved it, and then I went, you know what, I'm going to write, like, a play for this for the live show. But the <laughs> difference is, and this really is, and I'm not fucking blowing up, it. but thing is, when you write this shitey little, like, two-page thing, and then you go, forgive me for this, first off. Comston. Parkinson. Warren Brown, <laughs> Owen Teal. all of a sudden you've got a fucking all star BBC <laughs> One cast, right? For my little fucking thing. And I, so I start this fucking thing on a podcast, and I'm sitting there in my squirrel costume going, This you go bad. And then Owen you know, walks in, go, Owen walks in, and goes, Mr. Mammoth. <laughs> and you just go, We're in. It's just, We're in. He starts doing voices. You're like, Because all of a sudden, that's what fucking actors do. We do stuff that's, when it's on the page, it just goes, which people don't see, they go, all right, that's quite thingy. But then they do something different. Then you came on and started doing some wild voice I never heard. Warren comes on as Jason Statham. And it's just like, I was, I was in tears going like, this is fucking amazing. So much but- how
4: weird that is for Martin Comston. How do you think the civilian feels standing much on the side? <laughs> I had this epiphany on Friday afternoon when I went down with Martin to the rig to go on set. Yeah. And I, I actually had a little moment where I thought, fucking hell, he's a really, really big actor and a really big star and tomorrow I'm asking him to pretend to be a flying squirrel, dressed as a sexy pirate (laughs) and to bring his actor, his award winning BBC One primetime drama superstar friends to our carry-on in a room full of leathered Scottish people, this is um, this could be quite risky.
5: Gordon described it the best to me because I was really worried about it Gordon would we man, it's a best man speech. Yeah, they all want you to do well. Now, if yeah. they fuck it up, they're going to give you it tight. Yeah. They're going to be on. They're going to be on you. But everybody in that room is rooting for you, and that's that. Really, I, I, when I thought about it like that, I am like, he's fucking right. And as well, he wrote uh, these notes. A lot of fucking notes. <laughs> but the but but. We after we did the rehearsal we ended on the last page. And then when I so that's where I left it on my on my stand and then so when I walked out of the start, it was on the last page. So after like one page I was like, Oh fuck, I don't know where we are. <laughs> <laughs> he started asking me questions. And I had to lean over and try to like casually flick it back about twenty. Smooth.
3: Minutes. Very <laughs> smooth. Smooth.
5: But, he, but he's You'll right, nice. Gordon Gordon was again, Gordon's so fucking professional at this stuff, he was like just nail the start, yeah. which he did, and all the start was him, to he says, we're in, and he's right. We just fucking... You had the crowd on side, and we're gone.
3: But the, the thing is, the crowd were on side before you even started. Because I've been interviewing a lot is of comedians. All of it. All right. All of it. You're joking. All of it's gone.
5: Drinks on us, bitches! <laughs>
3: <laughs> so when, it, when, it, when, a, when a comedian supports a stand-up comedian on their tour... Yeah that's the hardest job because they've bought a ticket for uh, Ricky Gervais. They haven't bought a ticket for Josh Pugh. they bought a ticket for Ed Gamble. They haven't bought a ticket for Chloe Petz. You know what I mean? But here... Everybody bought a ticket for you. They didn't know.
4: Nobody knew you were coming tonight. Nobody them. knew that we, and, well, always would
5: we, we were coming. Businesses. I love that you ask these questions. As if you weren't Professor Acorn.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you were
5: in the fucking show. You're as guilty as anyone. I've been
3: working on the Acorn all day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to perfect... <laughs> The acorn is it's very been, much. Did, I, know, started, I know, I know. You started
5: doing it, and you said, "Oh no, acorn!" <laughs> I was like, "I was like, oh my god, this is fucking oh, blowing. Wow. Because that's what you the, get when you get good fucking actors on; they love. enjoy
3: it. But the thing is, regard to that, this has been friends supporting friends, I and I know that me, Warren, and Owen are like totally proud of you, and we would be there like a heartbeat you know, to support you. So we're really, really proud.
5: Can, I, can we also add, because we we know it's a privilege for us to be at the Edinburgh Film Festival.
3: What were you going to say, Martin? We
5: know it's a privilege to be at the Edinburgh Festival. It really is, right? Um, we, we never expected to be at this, but we are, throughout this month, we're going to see a tonne of shows yep. like we saw last night. No love yeah. songs. Yeah, we're going to yeah, go. Oh, wow. So really. please, like we feel like... Don't feel like for the purists. We're not hijacking this. Like we just, we're just chuffed to be a part of it, and we're going to promote as many people during it, whether it be comedian, new
4: plays, and Because that's what the festival is all about. That's what it's the about podcast is about as well. Yeah. Eh? Be resourceful. Exactly. Be able to ask. get on and do it yourself. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
3: And you're doing that, yeah. guys. You've got one more show, twenty sixth September. This is coming out before then. I've no doubt it'll be a sellout. I'm sorry, I cannot come to reprise.
5: (laughs) (laughs) What was Professor Acorn doing?
3: He is filming a drama series (laughs) in Brighton. I do not know. Tis a workshop. <laughs> it's a workshop. Um,
4: and the nuts pass through I, can I say, the jungle. Can I say I've acted with Craig Parkinson and
3: Martin Compston? Do you think? No, you can't.
5: No, you, you you? I, right.
4: no
3: absolutely <laughs> not, guys. I love you so much. Congratulations. Craig, love you.
4: Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you.
3: And another episode is done. I really, really hope you enjoyed that. It was it was really fantastic just going up to the festival not really knowing who i was going to talk to um so it was really exciting i loved walking around i loved stomping around the streets of edinburgh talking to you And uh, we're going to try and put something in place for next year's Edinburgh Festival. Myself and Griff are going to have a house meeting about that. And uh, hopefully we'll talk about that to you when we've got something uh, set in stone. But until then, um, have a lovely week. And we'll back. Normal service will resume next week uh, because we're going to be chatting to the fantastic actor Amy Kelly. So until then, I've been Craig Parkinson, not stomping around the streets of Edinburgh, and he's been producer Griff, put his magic touch on making this two-part special something quite special. Thanks so much for downloading and subscribing, message us on Instagram. We're on the X, Twitter, I don't know what to call it anymore. Um, we're on there, we're on the Facebook. You can email to shoppod at gmail.com. Do Rate and review. It really helps. You know it does. Until then, take care. We'll see you next week. The Two Shot Podcast was presented by me, Craig Parkinson. Recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. The remix of our theme tune is by Stolen Valor. Cheers.
4: What the fuck?